0: Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on MovieHouseMemories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now.
1: To the Golden Age of the Silver Screen on the Mhm Podcast Network, where each episode we review a film from the 1930s or 40s. I'm Chris.
2: I'm Laurie. And I'm Patrick. And for
1: this special episode, Laurie has a new pair of headphones. Yay, Laurie! <laughs> Thank you. And for this special occasion, we've got us another Who Done It, and that's 1941's Shadow of the Thin Man, starring William Powell, Myrna Loy. Barry Nelson, and Asta. And this time, Asta isn't getting mauled by baby. So he's got that going for him. I've got today's relatively spoiler-free summary, abbreviated. The fourth Thin Man film begins with Nick and Nora Charles in San Francisco, California. On the receiving end of a slow-speed police escort to the local racetrack after a motorcycle cop pulls Nick over for speeding. By the time they arrive, the place is crawling with cops after someone found a jockey dead in the shower stall from a gunshot wound. Foul play is suspected because the jockey refused to cooperate with two racketeers, Fred Macy and Link Stevens, who are suspected of fixing races and taking illegal bets. Police Lieutenant Abrams is in charge of the investigation, and he tries to get Nick to help him with the case, but as always, Nick claims he's retired retired with many beverages in his hand Part for the course for a thin man film. We've got us an intrepid, intrepid reporter this time named Paul Clark. He's there and he gets into a scuffle with another reporter named whitey Barrow. As he questions jockeys, Paul is working with major Jason. I scully a deputy director of the racing commission who is investigating Macy and Stevens for criminal activity. They'd like Nick to join the case, but he turns them down because... Why, Lori?
0: Because he's retired.
1: Paul's fiancée, Molly, is Stevens's secretary, and he takes her keys so that he may search Stevens' office that night. He finds a black notebook that Stevens keeps under lock and key, which has a record of all the pets, names, and dirty deeds of the racketeers that he's involved with. Whitey, who is on Stevenson's payroll... And in desperate need for eight grand, arrives with the gun in his hand. He tries to steal the book so he can get more money out of Stevens. The two men scuffle, and Paul knocks Whitey unconscious. Paul goes to leave with a laundry list he took from the notebook, but when his back is turned, someone knocks him unconscious with Whitey's gun that slid out of the office in their little melee. The unknown assailant then shoots Whitey dead and tosses the murder weapon at Paul's unconscious body. While no one sees the killer, a night watchman spots small-time criminal Rainbow Benny running down the building's stairs immediately afterward. Lieutenant Abrams arrives, as does Nick and Nora, during their night on the town watching professional wrestling at Macy and Stevenson's arena. The two find themselves in the thick of a murder investigation when the police arrest Paul and Molly, who's now there, for being an accomplice for giving Paul the keys to her office. Will Nick find out the real killer before it's too late? Watch the movie before Patrick gives away the ending in tonight's review. Patrick, do you have any sort of numbers for
2: this uh, WW2 movie? This is pre-WW2 by a couple of weeks, weeks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. Uh, Shadow of the Thin Man, the fourth of the six Thin Man movies starring uh Merle Lloyd and William Powell, was released on November 21st, 1941, the same year as Sergeant York, Honky Tonk, How Green Was My Valley, Road to Zanzibar, Nothing But the Truth, and In the Navy. Uh, it was released the same day as The Village People were that far back, yeah. Can you believe it? And I think Abbott and think. Costello were in that one. Uh, it was released the same day as Look Who's Laughing. Skylark and They Died With Their Boots On was shot in 2 weeks and on a budget of just uh, over $800,000, the film ended up grossing over $2.3 million in the North American box office. This was the 11th of 14 films starring William Powell and Myrna Lloyd, who uh, worked together quite frequently, obviously. Uh, IMDb has a score of 7.3 out of 10, or a rating of 7.3 out of 10. And Rotten Tomatoes has an 88% critics and 79% audience. And that is Shadow of the Thin Man.
1: The director was W.S. Van Dyke, and he's pretty much known for one take scenes. And so that doesn't surprise me that he got this thing kicked out in two weeks. Maybe that's why they chose him. Probably, yes.
0: That's pretty good, working with a dog and a kid.
1: All right, so this is the fourth of six. Have either of you seen the last two? The song of the uh, Thin Man, which is the last one, and uh, the Last Man Goes Home. Is that no. the name of the, the one?
2: Yeah. I have that's not the seen those. One. I've been watching them in order as we continue to review them.
0: I was going to say, didn't we review them? Not, I, but I don't
2: not the, remember. No, not the last, the last two in the series. Okay. We've only watched.
1: We
0: did another Thin Man, we've right? Done, we did the original, one. another Thin Man, and then, or the Thin Man Returns, or something like
1: that. I, yeah, we've done the first
2: three. I, I think yeah. Lori's headphones are too tight. <laughs> yes, we've. <laughs> did, this is the fourth one we've done. I think we've done them all together.
1: Okay. I think you had to bow out on that last one, Patrick. You oh, were going to doubt. join, but. Uh, oh, I think I was This sick. is going to make for riveting uh, <laughs> podcasting, by the way. But I watched it. I was ready to do it. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. So th- this is the film that I actually think uh, that the the series kind of loses its magic. I enjoy the last two, but they're they're not as as entertaining to me as, as these first four, but you know, at this point, the two of you now know the thin man formula pretty much in and out. And what was your first impression of just watching the film, knowing the, the gist of how this was going to go? Uh, Lori,
0: you know, I started and and it was like sitting down with an old friend was familiar and I liked it, but I agree with you. It's not, it doesn't quite have the magic that the other films had.
2: well, you know, much like the Cosby show, when they added a kid into the element, just because Rudy got too old and wasn't as cute as in anymore. Uh, when they added a child into the series, it really took it downhill. <laughs> but, uh, it's not the kid. I, I'm just obviously being sarcastic. But, okay, good. <laughs> but, uh, you know, <laughs> first and foremost... Nick and Nora get separated far too much in the film for me. Cause I like the mm-hmm. chemistry of those two together and she gets left at home and Nick goes on adventures by himself. And I really didn't enjoy that nearly as much. I think her being present is better. She's a better comedy foil for the comedic aspects of it. But Absolutely. I do, I, I do agree with you that by this point in time, this is getting a little stale and, you know, it's still entertaining. I agree with Lori. It's, it's, you know, familiar company that i enjoy seeing but it's like okay this is how the formula goes and this is what we're gonna bring everybody together at the end and randomly pick who it's gonna who's gonna be the culprit and that's what it was and so it wasn't i mean who with the ultimate murderer was was a little surprising but I didn't feel like anything in the film gave it away. It was just like, who do we want to say it is? It's this guy. Okay. All right, let's go do that. Now, that being said, it had Donna Reed in it. And I liked Donna Reed and it was nice to see her doing something other than, you know, it's a wonderful life, but that's it.
1: It is the same formula. just stick them in a situation and let them go. But for me, a lot of the gags still work. I think the, what's missing is if I remember correctly, this is the first of the Thin Men film that Dashiell Hammett is not involved with in any way, shape or form. And I think that's where the magic kind of goes, because he's got a very unique style to him. And maybe that's why he kind of left, because I, I think he's not exactly the easiest person to work with. But to me, it, it's his humor and style that I think is missing, even though I think William Powell embodies his his Thin Man persona in many ways that Dasha wanted. Not quite as tall and burly and Greek-like as what Dashiell wanted, but he, he's got it down pretty well at this point.
0: I, I agree with what you said, Chris, and I also agree with what Patrick said. I think there just wasn't enough of Nick and Nora. Although I did find the scenes with Nick and Nick Jr. charming. I liked them together. But they, they needed more Nick and Nora.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what I, I i didn't care for the kid i did i mean I, where the film ended the last the the, the last film ended obviously they were going to have a child but i didn't leave him with a babysitter and go and do your adventures and i would have been i would have been more happy
0: no oh, that was cute and Asta, i like
1: Asta too nick and Asta's a pretty good team
0: yeah i liked Asta getting off the merry-go-round that was funny
1: Did you like the merry-go-round scene, Lori? I I I did. uh, I think these kids were a little, well, I guess it's fitting for 1941, but they were a little too over the top, just the whole setup for that for me.
0: Yeah. But that's what it feels like when you're in the middle of a group of
1: kids like that. (laughs) Come on, Daddy, beat them up for me. (laughs) So Nick and Nora, they start out, they go to a wrestling match, which is uh, which is always uh, a funny sort of get up. It's the uh, she's high class girl. She wants to go to what would be a low class event of wrestling and uh, wacky antics ensue that uh, she's just basically casually talking to the wrestlers as they perform. But that's one of the few that we get Nick and Nora together. And that scene for the most part works for me. Patrick, you like
2: it? Yeah. I mean, that scene wasn't bad. I I generally did enjoy that scene. You know, as I said, anytime Nick and Nora are together, I think the film's clicking. It's when Nick is away from Nora, either with, you know, reporters or detectives. I think it's, it becomes far less interesting.
1: So then what did you think of the inspector? why did I just blink on his name? What did you think of Lieutenant Abrams in this? They always have the cops in these films as kind of the, uh, the gruff, but incompetent willing to break the rules sort of guys. Maybe that's the way it was in the forties. I don't know for cops, but uh, he was, he wasn't anything
2: special in this, in this particular movie that I thought. No, I, I agree with you. He's nothing exceptional in this film. I did. I, I kind of blew him off. I mean, he played by Sam Levine and he yeah, he was he was there. You know, that's about as much as I could say about him is that he filled the role, but he's not supposed to upstage, you know, William Powell or Myrna Lloyd. And and he fills that role very well is that he's easily forgettable. But for his name, I probably wouldn't even remember him because I know there's a Sam Levine who acts now. And that's why I went, hey, is that this? Are they related? And I don't believe they are.
0: I completely agree. He carried the role, but there was nothing spectacular about it and not very memorable. And with my memory, I'll probably forget about him soon.
1: The one guy I did kind of like was Rainbow Benny. The... uh the guy who went running down the stairs of the, the building, he, he's, I thought he was a pretty good ca- character actor for this one. That, uh, you know, he generally seemed like he was in fear of his life and a shady person all in one.
0: No, he did it, have a strong presence.
2: Yeah, I mean, he, he filled that ro- role. I mean, it there was a physical element to him that looked like, yeah, he kind of looks like a street thug. You know, someone who's possibly doing some underhanded deals, but not quite you know, like a boss, if you will. I mean, he's just a minion and you know, he, he, he looked the character part and he did well at that.
0: Agreed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The one guy that I really did like, and he, he was a pretty good bad guy all the way through was, um, Joseph Anthony as Fred Macy. The other, the other bad guy in this, uh, uh, Link Stevens played by Loring Smith. He was okay, but I thought that there was a very sinister thing about Fred Macy. Which one was he? Joseph Anthony was the black haired guy uh, who was. <laughs> <laughs> he, Crap. Uh, and the other guy was bald. I. I. I well, an, I, if you I, can't I, separate the two, I guess they didn't. Well, everybody wears hats. So. <laughs>
2: Like all the time, so I, I I'm not distinctly. He was the younger of the two main bad guys. Mm, okay, I mean I he didn't he didn't stand out to me in any way, so I I can't say that I really, you know he was he was it, obviously I forgot pretty much who he was. Uh, I I can't even remember anything his character did distinctly.
1: Lori, do you remember him?
0: No, I'm sorry. <laughs> he didn't stand out to me either. I really want
1: to. But can't. So to sum up, the villains in this film are
2: interchangeable and forgettable.
0: They are though. They were so stereotypical.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, that's they, I could not distinguish most of the villains from the villains from any other, not only any other thin man movie I've seen, but any kind of hoodlum movie it, that uh, came before of people who are just in the background. Cause that's what they were. And th- that's, either the magic of William Powell and Myrna Lloyd is that the light shines on them and everyone else is in shadow or that's part of the problem with this film is other than those two characters. And especially when they're together, everything else is forgettable.
0: Stella Adler really stood out to me, but I don't know if it was just because I was like, that's the famous Stella Adler. So I was really interested in, in watching her and she definitely had a, Distinct speech pattern that was interesting. That I was like, that's the famous acting coach. So that was interesting. And then, of course, Donna Reed just shines in anything she does.
1: Lori, did you catch uh, Ava Gardner in this one? I Briefly. didn't.
0: I read that, but I totally missed her.
1: Yeah. Did you? Only because I've seen this a couple times and had already uh, read the trivia on this. But the first time I watched it, I did not notice her. But it's a very young. Uh, Appearance of her, so it's easy to miss. Does it look like her? Yeah, more or less. I mean, uh, I had to be told she was in the film, though, for me to recognize her,
2: if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I didn't.
2: (laughs) No, I missed her, too. I mean, I read that doing the research after the fact, but I did not catch her when she was on screen.
1: So, to ask the important questions about this film, Lori, what's the deal with the sea bass?
2: There is no sea bass.
1: It's like the matrix in the spoon. There is no spoon. And I really was pulling for Nick to, uh, to not order the sea bass in that scene, but he caved and Asta was in the restaurant just roaming around as a dog.
0: He's Asta.
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> he's a service dog of sorts. And I, sure I think I'll that restaurant it. had a dirt floor. Did you guys catch that?
2: Oh. It, it I kind of looked it looked that way. <laughs> I don't
1: know if I've seen this film too many times that I'm paying attention to the floor of a restaurant, but I swear after watching this a couple times that that I don't know is that a thing in the 40s, a dirt floor restaurant in San Francisco? I don't know.
0: Like it literally looked like dirt. It wasn't just a painted floor or a concrete floor. right
1: It, it looked like they're really? just standing on dirt.
0: No, I need to rewatch this clearly.
1: Sure, it wasn't like sawdust. Could have been sawdust, uh, but it didn't look like like a cement floor or, because I assumed that was a nicer-esque restaurant. Maybe it went with the sea bass theme in the film. I don't know. Now, one of the things that um, is very relevant in these 30s and 40s films and all the time are these intrepid reporters that are just over the top. And some films, they work. Some films, they just annoy the heck out of me. And this one, it was okay. They, they started off way too strong in the jockey's uh, locker room where they found the first, first one dead. But do, you, do either of you notice the reporters in these older films, and do they get on you, or
2: is that just me? Well, once again, and I'm beating kind of a dead horse, they're stereotyp- stereotypical. They're uninteresting because I've seen that characterization in probably a dozen other films from that same era and they, they don't bring anything to it. And they get paid. They pale in comparison to the characters that are interesting, which is the primary two leads.
0: I agree. And again, it's characters that we're so familiar with that they don't even need to, to say anything, just seeing them in the big cameras and the, I don't know. It, it's just, didn't stand out to me. It's just something again, familiar.
1: And a lot of these films will have the female reporter with sexual tension with the, uh, the lead cop, the Lieutenant or whoever it is in the film. Um, they, they, they do start to blur together cause some are just the, uh, the cocky guy reporter too. But I think I've seen too many Charlie Chan and Mr. Wong films as, as well to mix in with this. <laughs> Very Do very you guys
2: friendly. have any talking points, by the way? No, and and that and that's one of my frustrating things about it is that I've I've generally enjoyed wow. The Thin Man, and I still enjoyed this film, uh, but I don't have much to say about it because it's so similar as far as a formula to the other ones, and I wish I could say I it made more of an impression on me. I I liked it. I liked it better than most other films from the same era, but at the end of the day. I've said what I needed to say about these characters in three, you know, well, I guess apparently I missed one of them, but at least in two separate podcasts before. And Mm -hmm. as much as I know, I'm going to see, you know, movies five and six, just because I like to see these characters. I don't know what else I can say about this standard formula because it's been done to death.
0: Well, we can't say that because we haven't seen the others yet. Maybe they're, they spice it up.
1: I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, well, to to spoil it, the last two for me are probably the weakest of them although I will say that I have a special fondness for the fifth one where he goes home. And but that's just more my personal opinion and I think I'm in the minority on that one. What's that one called? The, the thin man goes home? Oh, <laughs> where where his dad's a doctor and is uh is disappointed that uh his son became a detective instead of a doctor as well. Is, Lots of tension.
0: Is Myrna Loy in it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, now I'm excited to see that.
1: Yeah. It's the two of them. She actually is involved with buying paintings and she's, I think there's a little bit more of the two of them in the, the next one. All right. So every thin man ends in a big get together with all the suspects in the room and Nick just talks until somebody screws up in the, the first four films that you've seen of these, uh, Laurie, how did his little spiel at this one go? And were you actually surprised at this one versus the, any of the others?
0: I had kind of given up on guessing who it was because it just, it just didn't that, make, that sense. could
1: be intentional on their part at some point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I liked it. That's always a highlight of the film. But it wasn't I think I, again I'm kind of used to it so it didn't it it was good but it it wasn't spectacular.
2: Patrick. Eh. <laughs> uh I I I I feel like I'm repeating myself. The the strength is the two leads the the weakness is everybody around him, and this the story is something traditional um the the fact that you're telling me that the next film's slightly different i'm more excited for the next film than i was walking out of this film like i will go back and watch the first two thin man movies again uh but three and four at this point in time are ones i'm probably going to pass
1: one and two are the best of the series hands down so that, that doesn't surprise me. But uh, out of all the films, I would watch one, three and five personally. But I don't know if you will like number five as much as I do. We shall see. We shall see. All right. You want to go around the table? I, we don't really have a whole lot to say about this one.
2: No, unfortunately, we don't. And that's I, I think is horribly, horribly tragic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, we right, don't have a, a lot to say, but we still liked it. That's what's yeah, strange I, about it. Yeah,
2: I mean it's it's like beer and pizza. It's even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. And and I toned that joke down for you, Lori, because that's not
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a joke. He, he normally does include the beer.
2: It's, it's yeah, it's not well. There's usually a third thing, but uh, <laughs> but it's it's still better than uh, most other films because I like the chemistry of the two but it's becoming predictable. I mean, uh, you know, I, I love Cheers. I loved Frasier. Uh, those shows became very, very predictable every single week, and I knew how they were going to end, but I still enjoyed the shows because I like the chemistry of, the, the, of the, the primary leads, and that's what is the strength of this film. Now, that being said, if you didn't have those two actors together, then this film would have been easily forgettable and no one would have paid any attention to it. That's true. Would have been a Charlie Chan film. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah.
1: All right, let's go around the table, even though Patrick shot his wad. (laughs) Uh, on on a scale of one to five, do you consider this film a bad one? Or do you give it a high five? And out of the film out of the Thin Man films you've seen thus far, where would you rank it out of one to four? Lori, I'll start with you.
0: Okay, I'm gonna give it hmm, a two and a half and I'm going to rank
2: it fourth of the four. You've seen Yep. dead last. Yep. Okay. Uh, I would give it three, but I'd still put it fourth. (laughs) It's, it's the weakest of the four, but it seriously is. It it goes in order that we've seen them. One, two, three, four. Uh, And, and I'm at least hopeful that five will break up that predictable order at some point.
1: Not really, but <laughs> you're it, ruining you it for me, Chris. Uh, anyway, uh, I actually give this three and a half stars, but I'm a sucker for the Thin Man films. Uh, you know, as Patrick kind of said, even when it's bad, it's still really good. Uh, this is not one to, that you can go in depth with and talk about a lot. But um, three and a half stars is what I give it. And I still do put it last out of the out of the four we've reviewed thus far as well. But I always give Nora 10 out of 10. I was like watching her.
0: I agree. Well, she's, she's one of the greatest of all time.
1: Yeah. William
2: Powell's not too bad either. Yeah, but she gets sidelined exactly. for big portions of this film.
0: And that's why it's not as good.
2: Correct.
1: And the last one, she kind of got sidelined a little bit as yeah. well, but they still used her better. That's true as well. Doing mom things. Drinking with the kids screaming in the background. That's what moms do, right, Laurie? Absolutely. Yeah. How how can you not?
0: (laughs) And with good reason.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, that's it for our review of Shadow of the Thin Man. Uh, Please let us know what you think of the film in the comments section and for our listeners over on MovieHouseMemories.com. Please rate the film from one to five stars on that page as well. If you enjoyed today's review... Uh, Please don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, the MHM Podcast Network, where we have many, many more film reviews from yesterday, today, and even beyond. Lori's doing them from the future these days. Until next time at the big show, when we will review another classic from the 1930s or 40s. I'm Chris. I'm Lori. And I'm
2: disappointed. (laughs)
1: That's what happens when you throw kids in a film. What are you going to do? And that's a wrap.
2: This podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The song Hyperfun is brought to you by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Golden Age of the Silver Screen, the MHN Podcast Network, and Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment, LLC, unless otherwise noted.